Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Yes, sir. Plugged in. It is a National Soccer Podcast. Episode 17. It's been too long. Drake Hughes. It really has. I am your host. Yes. Nick Gray, as you heard him just now. Producer Nick, as we like to call him. Episode 17. We've got some news. We've got some updates. And rightfully so, as this has been recorded or is being recorded on the second to last day of October, we are less than 24 hours away from Halloween. And our last episode was the second day of October. <laughs> that is uh, Lots a big gap there. since then. Lots has happened. Now, should we go chronologically or should we go uh, novelty here? Let's not talk about the, the, the scoreless draws. Oh, yes. In New England, Minnesota. Of let's, course. So the last let's... episode, we talked about the potential impact of Jean de Cadiz and his addition uh, to this uh, really deprived, at the time, uh, National <laughs> Seed time, uh, when we ran the last episode, episode 16, we talked about a current period where National Seed did not have a healthy striker uh, in its traveling delegation to New England, okay. a match which, which they ended up going 0-0 with Bruce Arenas at the New England Revs. Uh, obviously, much has happened since then, so we will go chronologically since then, all right? Uh, about a week later... Obviously, Nashville C takes a bit of a tumble uh, on the road to Sporting Kansas City after starting spectacular. They, they started spectacular in the first half. Started spectacular. Uh, they went up early at Sporting Kansas City, but ended up pretty much getting their, their butts handed to them in the second half. They lose 2-1. Go down However, 10 Go down however, to 10 Oh, yes. Alistair well. Johnston. Alistair Johnson gets sent off with a second yes. yellow card. Walker Zimmerman gets subbed with uh, what we – Subsequently found out as a, a, a knock due to his uh, pretty much playing in every single match up to up to that point. Okay. And um, yeah, National SC pretty much got their butts handed to him in the second half. But then October 14th, National SC arguably has its best performance of the season. 3-1 over Houston Dynamo in Houston at BBVA Stadium. Hani Mukhtar, Abu Danladi, goal scorers. Taylor Washington, outstanding performance. Jandar Cadiz makes his debut for Nashville SC, coming in in midway through the second half. He didn't score, but only it was it was about maybe four minutes in. He already had a he already had a chance. His uh, expected goals were, were very high at that point. But of course, Hani Mukhtar he uh, he gets all the the midweek accolades. He gets you know his two goals. Uh, one from a set piece, uh, one another great goal coming from Hani. Abu Dhanladi scores a, a great goal from from what seemed to be a, a great cross in by Taylor Washington. And it then, was. of course, and then, of course, uh, days later, October 20th, Nashville SC 
welcomes FC Dallas after uh, the first two matches against FC Dallas in August. They welcome uh, their good old Western Conference counterparts to Nissan Stadium. In a national broad TV broadcast as well. Oh, on yes. Fox Sports 1. Indeed. And they stopped them. They did. And uh, Daniel Rios probably had the best goal. I probably – maybe best goal is probably painting with a broad brush. I would say the 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 highlight reel goal for Nashville SC in 2020, he puts uh, Rito Ziegler in a, in a blender. You know who was also painting with a broad brush that day? Who? The coroner's office when they came to outline the – the Dallas defender's body. Yes, Rito Ziegler was uh, was uh, full fully on the ground after a uh, pretty much a double fake by Daniel Rios, and that that was I mean that was the third goal right. And that was three 0 and uh, of course, you know Jean de Cadiz, he scored his first goal against Dallas at Nissan Stadium at his uh, his famous goal celebration. Let's see who even scored the first goal. Nick, who scored the that first was, goal? Uh, that was a Randall Leal goal, was it not? That was a Randall Leal goal. And yeah. that actually started – thank you for the reminder. That actually started as a uh, defensive interception, thanks to Walker Zimmerman. Right. He picks it out. You know, find, you know, it finds Dave Romney. Romney finds Derek Jones. Jones finds Leal. Leal takes it 40 yards up, gives it to Derek Jones. Derek Jones plays a through ball into Randall Leal. And then you go, bottom left corner, Randall Leal makes it 1-0. But anyway, 3-0 Nashville SC over FC Dallas. Then they welcome New England Revolution. Uh, what should have been a 1-0 win after a pretty much a one-hour rain delay at Nissan Stadium. Uh, they, sh- they, should have had, they should have had three points there, which probably would have allowed them to go into inter, uh, not, excuse me, not the Inter-Miami, the Montreal Impact match, probably with playoff contention in their back pocket. They wouldn't have had to depend on anybody else to 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 get that contention i think they could have gone in and 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 contended probably you know on that on that weekend instead of having to wait until the next week but still they get the draw against new england revolution they go to red bull arena they face montreal get the one nil win over Thierry Henry, and you know what they had to depend on Inter Miami losing to FC Dallas just a couple of days ago. They also needed Orlando City to mollywop Atlanta United 4 1. And here they are. Yeah. Nashville SC are going to the playoffs, MLS Cup. They are in just the letter. They are Not in. A lot of people thought that would happen. Well, MLS, the league, they had them finishing, I think it was second to bottom or bottom of the Western Conference earlier this year. I had, if you listen, go back to episode one, everyone. Go back to episode one. I had Nashville SC finishing one place out of the playoff picture. So I had the finishing eighth in the Western Conference back in February. So... You know, I think statistically and mathematically, that probably would have gotten them in the Eastern Conference playoffs anyway. But obviously at that time, they were not in the Eastern Conference. So obviously the the, the conferences have a different, little bit of a different culture to it. I mean, there's a lot more goals, a lot more competitive in the Western Conference. Eastern Conference, I don't know what it is uh, geographically, but it just seems like the major leagues in America, just like everybody in the East beats up on each other. And everybody in the West is like completely just – 
you know, molly wops each other. And th then you have like three or four teams that come out on top and are completely separated from the rest. You know, take a look at the NFC East in the NFL. Right. You get in with a nine and seven record. Then you go to the NFC West and you have the Chiefs who are just like, yeah, 14 and two, uh, 13 and three. And <laughs> and then you have like the Denver Broncos going like six and ten. <laughs> but and then you go into the and then you go into the NBA and you have aside from the Lakers and the Clippers, you have teams like the Denver Nuggets and the Portland Trailblazers at like winning percentage of 550. And then you have the Eastern Conference where you have like the Celtics and the Miami Heat and obviously the Milwaukee Bucks being number one. And then you have like some of the worst teams in the NBA. Orlando. You know, Orlando Magic. <laughs> so I don't know what it is, but obviously out there in the Western Conference and MLS, there is no doubt that the Seattle Sounders and, uh, you know, even, even other teams like, you know, Portland Timbers are doing all right. Right. Sporting I mean, KC. Sporting, sporting KC is, 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 has been top. Minnesota United, I yeah. think if you look at the entire year, they have been one of the better teams, not maybe as of late, but in the entire year. Um, and the, But in the Eastern Conference, I would also argue that probably uh, Philadelphia Union has been one of the best teams in MLS. Uh, and if you look at it from a performative standpoint, uh, going back to the MLS's back tournament, I mean, they didn't necessarily have the best start to the season. But since the since teams, you know, began playing in July, they've probably been one of the better teams. Toronto FC has warmed up since the MLS's back tournament. Um, Orlando City is arguably one of the most improved, if not the most improved team in MLS. They're probably going to have the number three or four seed in the MLS Cup playoffs. And possibly, I think this is a good transition here, Nashville SC. Now, would you rather have, you know, a home playoff game or would you rather have the highest seeding after the regular season and will likely unless you get to the number four seed, <laughs> would you, or excuse me, the number three seed. Right. And, and, and go on the road. So here's the news here. Everyone who's listening. MLS on Thursday, October 29th announced that the playoff structure will not be determined by total points. Instead, due to teams unable because of the COVID-19 restrictions and teams like Colorado Rapids, Obviously, National FC has had their has had their bumps in the road as well. Not being able to play the same amount of matches as the rest of MLS, and the league has decided to switch from total points to points per game, or average points, and so that takes Nashville SC from the number eight spot to the number six spot. Now, of course, National FC had a game in hand, so they've been fluctuating from number seven to number six in the Eastern Conference. But because of points per game, Nashville SC is now in number six. Now, according to the 2020 playoff structure, of course, 10 teams get into the Eastern Conference, unlike the conventional seven teams. So you have 10 in the East and eight in the West, as opposed to seven from both conferences getting in. Now you have Nashville SC getting in uh, on points per game at the number six spot. That would have them go to the third seed spot, obviously right now, I mean, that's, that's going to be a tough ask, right? Cause pretty much right now you're looking at Columbus crew. You're going to Maffrey stadium. Once again, 
Uh, Columbus Crew Corps currently sitting in third on 1.75 points per game. Uh, their record 10, 5, and 5. Arguably one of the best teams, one of the 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 best defensive team in MLS. Only fourteen goals, or excuse me, seventeen goals conceded all season. And so, you know, Nashville C would go to Columbus in the first round, no playing match. So, would you rather, Nashville C fans, would you rather have a Nashville C team finish in sixth on points per game, or would you rather drop to seventh? And going to the play-in round, which currently uh, Red Bulls sit in number seven and have a home match and host the number 10, which is, at the moment, Chicago Fire. Uh, Nick, what do you what do you think? What, what would you rather have? Would you rather have a tough rematch against Columbus Crew, where obviously, um, you know, you, you had a loss at, at, uh, earlier this season to Columbus? Would you rather go that route, or would you have – an extra match in a play-in and go up against likely either Chicago fire or inter Miami. Oh, I, I want the higher seed for sure. No doubt about that. Higher seed. You uh, already, you, you skip around, you skip a game. Uh, I don't, you know, that Columbus game was at a time where I don't think they weren't in bad form by any stretch and they weren't out of that game by any stretch, but if they can continue this form out into the end of November and can extend their end of season form to the playoffs, I would have, and given Columbus's form now, I know they're not, they have not lost at, at home. Uh, I believe there's seven, seven wins, one draw and no losses at home. That being said, they've had some poor results here going, going that way. So maybe it would even be Orlando. And true. given how Nashville SC's defense has looked against Orlando in the past, I would be inclined maybe to 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 hope that Columbus Crew is is the are, are is the team. But I'm I'm always for you know if you can skip a match in the playoffs, that's that's going to be big, especially for a team who will be playing three games here in the next week basically yeah pretty much to, right because uh, you've got to finish things up and not and not every not every club has to do that and yeah because especially you, the teams around them you've got chicago right on halloween and then you've got the the third and final makeup match against fc dallas they, it helps that both are at home and oh, yeah, it, definitely it, does. It, it helps that you're going up against the chicago fireside that are talented but seem like they are not the they're most fighting co- for a playoff spot right now and they're not but they're not the most cohesive team right but they do have they do have talent right they do have they, they will be without francisco calvo their their captain uh cj Sapong has been here or there uh robert barrage i think is is a very talented striker um he's shown that before the pandemic hit he's shown that since the pandemic has hit um so that's a good matchup for Nashville City at home. And then they obviously Dallas, as we as we've talked about, but then they have to go to Orlando City on decision day. Orlando City, one of the best teams at home in MLS, um, you know, just have to hope that that doesn't matter. for Orlando. Yeah, you, you would have to. Yeah, you would have to hope that, you know, New York Red Bulls are not fringing in on you. Right. And you would have to hope that obviously enter Miami, Montreal and Chicago all have you know, limited performances in on decision day and hopefully in these final 
I think for them, the final two matches because they, they've already played 21. But going back to Columbus, think about the month of October. Yes, we're at the, we're at the end here of October. In this month, Columbus crew has only won once. That was against New York City FC, 3-1, October 18th. They, in this month, have lost to Montreal at the at – the, at the, uh, uh, excuse me. They, they drew right. against FC Dallas at the turn of the month. They lost against Montreal, 2-1. Right. Then they turned around after the Montreal loss, fell 2-1 to FC Cincinnati in the Hell is Real Derby. They got the win against New York. Then they drew against Houston. And they fell to number 12, D.C. United, a, shamb- a shambolic team. Certainly. And uh, I, I, number one, got to correct myself. There's, there, there's seven wins, one loss, and no draws. So they are undefeated at home. That Montreal loss was 2-1 at home. They, you know, they're, they're doing some things with their, their lineups where Zellerion and, and others aren't playing the full time as they still try to fight nagging injuries off. Right. And he and, he and Darlington, he and Darlington Nabby have had uh, some, some yeah. lingering, some lingering fitness issues. And those are the two most important players on that side. I, I just, I, I think number one, and when you were talking about the Eastern conference and, and the change, I think it's important to note that, this Eastern Conference really fits Nashville SC's style and the way that they want to play much more than the Western Conference. Now, I'm not saying that Nashville SC wouldn't have made the playoffs had uh, had they not changed from East to West or from West to East, excuse me. Uh, but certainly being able to grind out these games and, and, and uh, play the defense that they're allowed to play and uh, I'm still though. I, I still think that you know. Number one, you got to think that you know you have two home games coming up, and four points seems like a, an attainable goal, uh, given that you're playing a not as you know not as informed Chicago team, and also a Dallas team that you beat two weeks ago. Yeah, you've got Same. two. You've got Same. two wins. You've got two wins in the in the three matches to Dallas this season. You got two wins and a draw. And that's, that's, so that's four, very four points seem very attainable. And that's, and that's thinking that, you know, if Red Bull doesn't win their next two games, Nashville is going to be ahead of them. Well, I told, shout out John Freeman, the voice of Nashville SC for ESPN 94.9. Shout out John Freeman and shout out to the Nashville Ruse, Australian football. Uh, of I, course. You, you know, I had to plug that in and, 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 uh, a recent, not a recent, but a, a, a guest on this podcast uh, going back to the summer. But anyway, talk to him about, he asked me, he said, you know, what does it take for Nashville C to solidify their sixth place in the East? I said, you need at least seven points. Wow. I told I them, with that. I said, you need at least seven points. And here's my reasoning here. You can't depend on New York Red Bulls to drop you know, to, to three points in their, in their final, you know, cause they like right now, New York Red Bulls, they've already played 21 matches. So they only have two left and you, you're not in a position Nashville C to, you've already seen what could happen uh, when you don't take care of business. Right. I mean, you, in my opinion, they should have beaten, as I said, they should have beaten New York, uh, New England at home. 
that should have been a one nil victory. And that would have put them in an even more favorable position and wouldn't have had to wait on Orlando city and FC Dallas to do the work for you against, um, you know, Atlanta United and inter Miami respectively. Now, just but, taking a look. But Red ahead. Bulls have not only the Derby and in New York, but also a home affair against Toronto. Neither of those matches are easy at That's all. That's true. That's true. But, I mean, looking at New York City FC, I mean, they've shown that they can be on either side of the coin as well. And, look. Regardless, I mean, that's going to be a very emotional. and um, uh, You know, even if there isn't fans in the stands, there's going to be – much reason for both teams to win that match. Well, sure. I mean, because it has placing implications for both of them, right? I mean, both of those teams are, you know, in that, you know, four to, you know, four and five range in in the Eastern Conference. And you're, you're, you're I mean, as we talked about before, they're trying to get home, home field advantage themselves. Right. But just looking at, just looking at the schedule, like you don't, my reasoning is you don't want to have to depend on others. And, your schedule is more favorable than them as well. So why not try to get two wins, go for wins at home so that when you go up against Orlando City, you do not have to worry about, okay, we need, we definitely need three points here. Like we've, you know, I think seven points is a, is a, is a a true victory for Nashville SC in this situation. You're you're right, but I also think that four will get the job done. Oh, I'm I'm saying I'm I mean probably it probably does, but I'm saying in yeah. a perfect situation I, I think I yeah, think Philadelphia, you know, Philadelphia and New England Revolution have to go to Philadelphia on the final on the final day, so and also the Red Bulls to start the uh the um second phase of, you know, or I guess the restart of the season, they already showed that they can beat NYCFC. They got the one new win. I, I think, again, going back to your point, go for as high as you can. School, try to win these next two games and then see where you are at against Orlando and whatever happens, happens. And either way, you're going to be in pretty good form heading into the playoffs and with, with a bunch of teams very aware of how hard it is to break down the defense. And that that's that's probably the biggest point here is the defense is still as rock solid as ever. True. It's still as hard to break down as ever. And True. that's that's going to carry along in the Eastern Conference for for as long as the 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 few goals that they can muster through the playoffs are going to allow to take them. And statistically, I know we we touched on this uh, earlier about, you know, Nashville C moving from the west to the east. But Nashville would have been in seventh. They currently, if you're talking about points per game, they're at 1.4 right now, points per game, Nashville C. They would have been in seventh. They would have been ahead of San Jose Earthquakes and Colorado Rapids. And, you know, obviously you would have gone up against – I believe that would have they would have gone up against the uh, the three seed in the Western Conference. The Western Conference, because the top eight teams get in outright, okay. no, those teams don't have to go into a playing round. So the number seven seed actually doesn't play the three seed; they play the number two seed. 
Yeah. So right, now right sporting. Right. Yeah. Right now that is sporting Kansas city. So they would have to go to sporting Kansas city um, in the Western conference in the first round, no playing round match. Uh, that's probably, I mean, you've shown that you can have a good performance yeah. and obviously Walker's MMN wasn't healthy. You didn't have, you know, a fully rested team either. Um, you know, I mean, you did you did not play for what eight days at that time, but you had a Walker Zimmerman knock. You had Honey Mukhtar, who was a bit unhealthy. You didn't have Dominique Baji. Uh, Daniel Rios was still trying to to get back. Um, you had a lot of guys who, you know, were still trying to to get back fit. You had you know Jack Mayer made his MLS debut then. You had Jalilani Baba getting into the side. You had you had a lot of things going on. Now I think. If you're telling me, you know, from decision day on November 8th and you don't have to play until, you know, November, let's say November 23rd or November 24th, you know, that probably is suitable for Nashville SC because of the international break. And then also, you know, you're looking at waiting for the rest of MLS on the Eastern Conference side to play their playing round uh, November 20th and 21st. That, that, that would help you, I think, and you would be able to have an actual, you know, I could say like a, 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 a convincing performance against Sporting Kansas City and possibly upset Sporting Kansas City and get into the second round. Let's, let's switch gears and quit talking about the schedule and the standings for a bit because, good Lord, we can talk about that. And we'll continue to talk about it probably even into our next episode. Looking ahead towards the playoffs, Drake, what what do you see as the uh, best eleven right now for this this side? Ooh, best eleven. Well, I think this is my time to uh, get in my get in my plea for a two striker system, as you are familiar with. Uh, I, I certainly am, but Gary Smith loves his two strikers. I'm yeah, I mean, just, I, I, uh, are you, I'm sure you're being sarcastic. I, he Gary Smith has played two strikers before. I, I wouldn't. It would not surprise me at all to see him do it. But because, it- and the reason why I say that is because Gary Smith has has shown that when he can, he will default to the four two three four four two three one formation. And for me, and I'll I will I'll be leading into my uh, debut mailbag here uh, of of one faithful Nashville SC listener. Um, but in my opinion, Can't wait. In my opinion, you have the best, or should I say, relatively the best performance going forward is a two striker system that features Daniel Rios and Jean Cadiz. When they play, they've only played 30 minutes together and they've already contributed, whether via assist, a chance created, or scoring the goal themselves. They've already contributed uh, three goals in that 34-minute period. And neither of them have started to get – they haven't started together. Jean-Luc Cadiz has not had his start yet. He's only come off the bench since debuting October 14th. And Daniel Rios has, you know, although he has gotten his time up front as a starter, he came off off against – I believe that was the uh, New England Revolution match where he started and – he can't, he he was subbed off, but you know, when they are on the pitch together, they have chances. And Jonder came on 
as a sub against New England, and he nearly scored if it wasn't for Matt Turner. The goalkeeper had cleared it out, um, which is a ball that was in behind. John Cadiz, he can be what Dominic Baji was supposed to be, which is a guy who has the pace and has the physicality to brush off center halves and kind of have that physical battle with you and then kind of swift by you, swim move, whatever it is, and run by you and have the pace to do so. It just seems like Jandro Cadiz is probably an upgrade in that category to Dominic Baji. And right. a two, it I would say the best It also it. doesn't hurt to have a guy like Dominic Baji be able to come in for 25 minutes and run around. Yes. So I'm not going to trouble myself with the actual formation, but I will list them one through 11. So obviously Joe Willis is arguably the best statistically and performatively the best goalkeeper uh, probably in MLS, in, in MLS. I would say he, and he's yeah. having his best season, right? Eight clean oh, sheets. Yeah, so as I a believe. Pro, for sure. He's having, he's had, he's got eight clean sheets on the year. He has, you know, been one to be able to play with the ball at his feet. So he is no doubt the number one. Obviously, Dan Lovitz on the left. You've got Dave uh, Dave Romney, Walker Zimmerman, Alistair Johnston, Dax McCarty, Anibal Godoy. You've got Randall Leal, Hani Mukhtar, Jean de Cadiz, and Daniel Rios. That is the best 11. That is a 4-4-2 by default, but obviously you want Hani Mukhtar in a number 10. So I don't know if you have like a 4-3-1-2. I guess that is the only formation that that looks logical here, but sure. it, it seems like you would have uh, you would have to have you know I guess Anibal Kadoy as a right mid, uh, which is obviously not his position. And but, maybe in defense, you settle into some type of four three three where it's the central midfield. Behind. Or four or four four two maybe or Hani four, Mukhtar four, two, yeah I guess Hani, so. maybe Hani Mukhtar yeah, depending on how comfortable you feel with Hani being where wherever you want if, Hani if, to be he would I mean yeah part. he would be he would be helping out with Alistair Johnson uh, on the flank out there on the right hand side but right. yeah it just seems like a four three one two I guess is the is 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 the is my best eleven for Nashville SC. I think you're probably right. Uh, I don't know who else you would try to, to fit in there. Who else would you try to fit in there? Is Dominic ba- so you talked about Dominic Baji. I mean, who we else? don't really think about it. Like, do we even know what Dominic Baji does? Like, have we had Ooh. a have we had a consistent have we had a consistent? Ooh. I'm just saying. Like, I don't think he's had his. What does Dominic Baji do? Wow. I'm just saying, like, I don't think he has had the opportunity health-wise to give us his full, like, he's either had a knock, he's been fatigued, or he hasn't been available due to, like, you know, an actual injury. He hasn't been in the side since the D.C. United match September 23rd. And, I mean, if you look at it. Has he been skipped over by Abu Dhanladi? No, I don't think that's fair because he hasn't been healthy. Dominique Baji comes off of a hamstring injury against DC United at home. And we haven't seen him since. Now, for the Chicago Fire match, you still have him, David Akam, and Ken Tribbett as those who are likely out. Um, those are most definitely three guys who it seems as if these injuries are, you know, 
long term, especially David Akam. You got to feel for him. He hasn't been in the I side. I do feel for, for David Akam. He hasn't been in the side since, man, the end of the first week. The, of, uh, yeah. Yeah, he, been, since pretty much August, right? Yeah, pretty much since the first uh, leg of the regular season restart. So we're right. talking we're talking September, early September. So it's been two months. Yeah, it's it's been a while for David Akam. But you know, for, and there was no noticeable there was no noticeable injury that I can remember seeing him come off on. I, mean, I think no, I I mean it's it's got to be something suffered. I mean they the club has not been forthcoming or transparent at all when it comes to David Akam. Uh, but they have been saying, I mean, when when in relative in relative to Abu Donladi, who obviously has had his knocks as well, uh, Donladi has you know spent maybe one or two games in rehab, and then once again he pops back up and he's back in the side. You know that's that hasn't been the same. That hasn't been the, that hasn't been the scenario for Dabin, for Dominic Baji. So I don't think he's been passed up uh, by Abu Donladi. And uh, if we're talking about Dominic Baji, still, I think when he is healthy he is still going to be preferred by Gary Smith. But it doesn't seem like he's been putting a lot of 100% performances in. He's been, you know, injured or fatigued. Because think about it, when Dominic, when Dom Baji has been healthy, he's been having to play in games that are, you know, only three or four days apart. He's putting in, you know, 80 minutes here, 90 minutes there. I mean, that's a lot. So, man, I don't know. Uh, but let's transition into the mailbag here. And uh, this is something that's different, you know. I'm I'm still I'm still launching it. I'm still trying to uh, let people know that that we're doing this. But of course, uh, this is this is the introduction. So, uh, Mark, excuse me for uh, probably messing up your name here, but Mark Bacigalupo, he says, will Jonder continue to come off the bench, or will we see him starting games soon? I'm guessing it's fitness level that is keeping him from starting games. You pretty much answered your question here, Mark, but it certainly has been uh, a ongoing process for Jonda because he is someone who has not played since March consistently. He hasn't played a full 90 since December and certainly hasn't had enough training sessions under his belt and probably inter-squad 11 uh, to feel like, and probably for Gary Smith and the staff to be confident in Jonder being able to play a full 90 or close to it. So that's why he's been coming off the bench. Now, do I see him probably, you know, being someone who could probably play a full 90 in the postseason, most assuredly in the playing round, or if they get him to succeed in the first round? Absolutely. But until he probably has, you know, Probably what could be the international break could be could be a help if he doesn't get called up by Venezuela, which is a large possibility that he will. Um, if he doesn't get that training, I don't think he will be playing a full ninety. That's my take on it, Nick. What do you think? Well, I, and with the caveat that they haven't really found a great combination that was really pouring goals up up front. There, there isn't a lot of playing in 90 minutes, it seems like, with this squad up you know, in the forward or even in the wings. It's the, it's the Gary Smith system, man. It's the Gary Smith system. Keep those legs fresh no matter what. And so he doesn't have to be fit, I don't think, for 90 minutes. He needs to be fit for 60 or 65. Uh, I, 
I would hope that sometime in the next three games we see him start and at least get to halftime, if not, you know, 10 minutes out, out of halftime just to make sure he has the uh, – you can remember how that feels. Well, keep in mind, Nick, uh, Gary – Keep in Go mind the, the Gary the Gary Smith system conventionally, and we're not talking about 2020. We're talking about just in general. The right. Gary Smith system is 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 not full with subs. He doesn't sub a lot, and we've seen that because of the pandemic. But I think it's it's been somewhat of a misleading impression on Gary Smith's style. He he requires a a, a high defensive work rate for the entire ten outfield players. Um, you know, especially up the spine of the team. He does not sub much against Atlanta. You know, obviously he brought on Alan Wynn. You know, you, you, you got in, you get, you bring on a winger like that. You, you bring on Daniel Rios. Um, Portland was a bit of a different scenario, right? He brought on Jimmy Madronda, Abu Dunlady. Uh, he had to make an additional sub because Dunlady went on and then came off with an injury. So that's, those are, those are, those are big caveats, but Gary Smith's system you know, especially for a striker or for a central midfielder or for a number 10 or for a center back, those guys are expected to play full 90s. And because of the pandemic, you probably won't see that. But it re- he requires guys to have that high defensive work rate. So by the 60-something, 70th minute, guys are wiped, <laughs> especially in the pandemic. So that's why, mate, to your point, Nick, I think Jonder playing, you know, 70 minutes is good, especially if you can have his quality up front and probably ask questions of the opposing goalkeeper, you know, early in the first half to try and get a, you know, because when Nashville SC has the lead, they've only given it up pretty much twice, Sporting Kansas City and then New England Revolution. So, I mean, you want that. But, I mean, I think going forward, you're going to need to depend on Jonder playing a full 90. There's no doubt about that, and you know that they're going to get to a point sometime this year where it's going to be two to one, and they're going to need a goal, and it's going to be in the 70th minute, sometime in the playoffs, and he's going to be your best option no matter what, and he he just has to be out there. I, I agree with you there. What if he does go to the one striker? Do you favor Yonder over Daniel Rios at this point? No, I do not. I I still oh, think man. Daniel. I still think Daniel Rios. He's been too on form. Daniel Armando Rios. He's too. He's been just. I mean, come on. Like aside from, you know. I mean, it's tough, right? Because aside from the Montreal Impact match, he he's pretty much been the guy up front. You know, FC Dallas before that. And then obviously the two games before the FC Dallas match, he scored. So or at least in the matches that he's, you know, that he's appeared in, he scored. That has you haven't seen that from Abu Dunladi. You haven't seen that from Jandra Cadiz. So why not continue to play him in that 4-2-3-1 formation as your fir- as your first choice striker? That also puts puts home the point that both he and Daniel Rios, you know, both Cadiz and Daniel Rios need to be and the starting 11, if at, if at all possible. One guy we didn't mention when we talked about best starting 11, a guy that plays a lot and has played a lot lately, Alex Mule. 
No, no way to get him into your eleven. I mean, without not without sacrificing either Anibal Godoy or Dax McCarty, unless you go to a back three, which honestly, Ooh. honestly, I don't really, you know, a three-five-two. I think yeah. that would. I think Daniel Lovitz and you know Alistair Johnson. I mean. I know you're probably going to think this is crazy, but Alex Muil as a wingback. Wouldn't be too bad. What do you think of Alex Muil as a wingback? Listen, hear me out. I, I, Alex Muil Alex has the work rate. Alex Muil has the work rate of both Daniel Lovitz and Taylor Washington and can get forward and have the urgency and the technique and the mind of a winger to do the job and probably do the job the best that you probably have in the entire National C squad. In terms of a wingback, the players who have the ability to play as a wingback, Alex Mawil is the guy on the outside looking in who can be on the inside looking out. 352. 352. 352. This is my new and updated best of Joe Willis in goal, back three. Dave Romney, Walker Zimmerman, Jalil Anibaba. Convinced. Midfield five. Daniel Lovitz, Dax McCarty, Anibal Godoy, Hani Mukhtar, Alex Muil. Well, let me back that up. Uh-oh. You're going to have to go Willis and Goal, Romney, Zimmerman, Anibaba, Leal, McCarty, Godoy, Mukhtar, Muil, Jondo Cadiz, Daniel Rios. That's your 3-5-2. That is my updated... Best 11 for Nashville SC, Drake Hills. You heard it. That's that's how you convince Drake Hills to mess with his 4-4-2. Right I mean, there. I never really yeah, liked, I never really liked the 4-4-2. I never really liked yeah, the 4-4-2. Yeah, your old time ways. <laughs> I was not set on the first draft. And I think with a 3-5-2, we've seen. I mean, look at, the, look at the Houston Dynamo match. If you have guys who have a work rate like Taylor Washington and Daniel Lovitz, and I also feel side. comfortable contributing up up top. Right. I feel comfortable doing that. You can be up there all you want to, but if you're not comfortable with the ball at your feet, not much good that you do up there. Taylor Washington is one of the fastest players on the team. He's one of the best. He's got one of the best work rates. I think Alex Muil is, is right there with him, neck and neck, in terms of best work rates out on the flanks. And that's why I think Alex Muil could probably be a sleeper at wingback. All right. I I don't disagree. I like well, that idea. I'm going maybe to play not, it out on FIFA here in a couple minutes. <laughs> You're probably not going to need that. I think uh, going into the Chicago match, but possibly showing this up against uh, midweek against FC Dallas or flip-flop. Maybe you try it against Chicago, and then maybe you go back to the back four against FC Dallas. But honestly, I think the best Nashville C side is a back three. 
I trust your judgment on that one. <laughs> All right. Well, Nashville SC, Chicago Fire, Saturday, Halloween. Spooky. Spooky. I've been hearing that pe- people are wanting – Nashville SC has never scored two goals in a game in MLS. They At have not. Nissan Stadium? Ever in MLS. They have what do you either, what? They have either scored no goals, oh. they've scored one goal, or they've scored three goals, or they've scored four Hot goals. Twist. Obviously, the yeah. four goals, the four-goal thriller came against Atlanta United uh, back in September. You scored three against Houston, and I believe – What a uh, weird quirk. Yes, and you've scored – obviously had a bunch of 1-0 wins, and then there's been times where you've gone nil-nil draws or lost 2-0 or, you know, something of, of, of that nature. So, yes. So, uh, Nashville C, there's a possibility that we can get a, uh, a 2-1, a 2-2, or a 2-0. But I think Nashville C pulls it out with a win. And I also think that, uh, you know, honestly, I, I even think it could be a 1-0 or a 1-1 again. Because Chicago Fire, I mean – they have the talent, and you just don't know if they're going to be the cohesive group or not. Uh, we'll, we'll see what Barrett and those guys are going to do. We'll see what, uh, what 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 they can bring to Nissan Stadium. But Nick Gray, what's your prediction? Uh, one nothing. Nashville SC takes the win on Halloween night against Chicago, and then next week I think two one Nashville SC over Dallas. So they get the six points. They they make Drake Hills look and sound smart. Spectacular. By trying to get the seven points, and then they uh, they lose three one at Orlando. That's my that's my next three game prediction. Well, and the Orlando matchup is just not not a good one for them at all. It's not, especially on decision day. That's why, you, as I said, you want to come in. The best scenario is to get two wins at home. Now, right. Uh, to your point, though, I'm not I'm not discouraging four points coming into decision day because I don't know what's if you're playing a team four times in a year. I just don't know what you're going to get in a fourth meeting. There's a chance that you can settle for a draw. And so no. I think this yeah. Chicago, this Chicago match, I think I'm going to go another one nil. Yeah. I would I would like to see a two nil or a two one, but I'm going to go one nil National C over Chicago Fire. And and my goal scorer Randall Leal. I'm going to go Daniel Rios. I'm going to say Daniel Rios gets the start. Later the Daniel Rios bandwagon over here. Daniel Rios gets the start and uh, scores early in the second half. And they're going to go to the the uh, the election day hangover against oh, F- against against FC Dallas. And they're going to settle for a draw against Dallas. They're going to go in to Orlando City. So they are going, man. I mean, and with three points. Fortunately, let me do I the math. They'll probably play Orlando in the three-six game, and that does not seem to 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 work out well. But that, looking at everything the way it is, that's where I'm headed towards. Is the sixth seeded Nashville against the third seeded Orlando City, and I don't like that matchup at all, as I've said before. Well, that if they go into four points, 
They go to four points going into the de- decision day. They will have one point, one and a half points per game. And so that probably puts you in a good scenario. If you're looking at how guys are, are moving, that would probably put you on course to continue to finish sixth. Now, if anything other than a point and a half per game will probably knock them into the playing round. That is my theory. And if you're a national seed and you still want to play for the higher seed and not have to play an extra game and playing in the playing round, you got to get those four points at home. You have to. Sounds good to me. I think, I, like I said, four points will do it. All right. We'll wrap it up because you sound like you need a nap. And uh, I sound like it's, it's time 10 in the morning. Work. It's already, it is definitely all right. Time for a nap. Yeah. Nick Gray is uh, the grizzly bear of uh, Tennessee, man. He He's ready for hibernation because uh, I, think, I think you're getting a bit weary. You know, we've, we've seen Nashville SC play the 21 matches. They've got three left. You've seen it all. And you, you I can tell you're, you've got the itis, man. You've got the itis. So we'll wrap it up. I'm ready here. for the playoffs is what I'm ready for. I am, I am too. Episode 17 is in the books, everybody. Be sure, email me, drake.hills at tennessean.com or follow me on Twitter. Send me a DM. Tweet at me, at live life. Drake, for get all your, your questions in. all your candy corn takes. Please. Yeah, your candy at corn takes. But honestly, if you don't do it in the next 24 hours of recording this episode, it will not be relevant because we're moving into oh, the month of November. We're moving into they will the month be talking about Christmas music. Yes, and uh, I think I will probably put a playlist together because it's the pandemic year and uh, there are some days where, you know, just want to do something creative. That's it. Episode 17 is in the books. Nick Gray, I am your co-host, Drake Hills. We'll see you next time. This is Plugged In, a national soccer podcast. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.